Okay. Um, but yeah, so we've been going through just the book of Acts um, and just taking lessons of how, what kind of lessons can we learn from the example of the earlier church, what kind of lessons can we learn from Paul as we desire to be those kind of people who are disciples, who, you know, who follow Christ, and are also used of God to influence others to be disciples. We call that making disciples. And so, so we're, we're um, in chapter 24 this week. And the way I'm going to introduce this week is um, it's a little different. Because this week, Paul's in a very sit- interesting situation. He's in a situation where he's actually called in almost like to court. Where he's prosecuted and he has to defend himself. And then he, gets, then he has this personal conversation with uh, the governor of that whole region. And... I want to, and so it's, it's sort of this, it's this hard spot. He's in a tight spot. It's a hard situation. It's sort of a unique situation where he's opposed directly and called to question on his faith. And I, and, and I know that that's not going to happen for a lot of us day in, day out. You know, it's not, most of you here are not going to be called up before a local official asked about your faith tomorrow. That that's not the situation we live in. Um, we, don't, we don't live in a situation where, where, where it's illegal to believe, where it's illegal to gather together. Um, we, we have the freedom to do that. But that does not mean that, that, that we don't have hardships and there, and there aren't opportunities that we're put in a hard spot that we have to decide, are we going to identify with Christ or not? Are we going to take the opportunity to speak of Christ or not? Now that, that, that may come, I mean, and it comes to each of us in different circumstances. I mean, it, you know, obviously with this election we've had, I mean, the one thing that has unified the entire country is that no one liked either candidate. Um, and and it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a brutal time and it's all over. Thankfully, the election's at least passed. Um, but, but, you know, but there, there are all sorts of times where people are strongly on this view or that view. And, and, you, know, and you know, and so, you know, some people might say, oh, if this is your candidate, how can you be a Christian? You know, or if this is your candidate, why, how can you be this? And, and you may be sort of, oh, you're the religious one in our group. Why, how can you vote for so-and-so? And you're like, well, crud, here I am put on the spot about my faith in a situation that's very uncomfortable. And, and it's not ideal. Or maybe you've been in a situation where, where you've been at work and there's been something in the news about some you know, religious leader caught in something like, oh, you're a religious one, so he's one of yours, right? And you're like, well... That's not, you know, you're like, ah, you know, or, or, you know, are you one of those bigoted people that believes that there's only one way to God? Is that you? And so sometimes we're put in situations that are awkward and uncomfortable. That we're asked questions that are difficult and defy a one-word answer. And we feel like, you know, what are we going to do? How do we respond? How do we handle that? Whether it's in the classroom, at school, you know, when, when folks are, when you're, when you're being presented as one way is right, and you're like, I, that just, that's, that's not what I, and you're like, how do I handle this? It's not what I believe. It's not the circumstance I'm in. It's, it's, not, it's not what I believe the Bible's teaching, or, or it, it can be with friends, it can be out in, in, in an event, it can be at work. There are times that we're put in a hard situation where we have to decide, are we going to identify with Christ? Are we going to share about Christ or not? And it's hard. It's hard to know what to do. And, we, and, we, and we've all come away from times going, I, I didn't quite do that right. Or, oh man, I, now I know what I wish I could have said. Or, 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 or you know, it's, it's just, we, it's, it's, you know, sometimes we come away going, man, thank you God for how you worked in that because I, I had no idea what was going on. And so today we're going to be in a situation with Paul where he's in a hard spot. He's in a spot where he is called to task. And there are going to be consequences as to how he answers. 
And, and, and what I want us to do is just, is just to sort of walk through this passage together and be encouraged um, of how God provides for us, how God leads us in these hard times, but also how to get some wisdom and, and insight from how Paul did handle this situation um, so that we can honor Christ, even when we're put in a tough spot, even when we're put in a situation this difficult to, to identify with Christ, where it's difficult to take a stand. And so I mean, the main point for today is we share the gospel in hard places and with hard people. Now, sometimes God puts us in hard places. Sometimes God puts us with hard people. Um, and, and He has us there for a purpose. And it's not easy. Okay, so we're going to look at Paul in this circumstance. of How, how does he do that? Because sometimes he has us in those places for, for a very real purpose for him. Um, and so we're going to walk through the day. So, so, so today's, you know, I'm hoping you're not in a hard spot this week. You know, I, I, I'm not looking for us to all to, you know, look for hard spots to jump into. But I am looking for us to say, hey, you know, we're, we are all going to face those things. Regardless of your age, regardless of your stage in life, you're going to be in a circumstance where people in our culture, which is getting increasingly hostile to the things of God and increasingly hostile to the truths of Scripture, we're going to encounter these things all the time. And so how can we, in hard places and, 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 and with hard people sometimes, um, be witnesses that God has called us to be? And so that's what we're going to look at today um, as we see Paul in Acts 24. So I'm going to read the, the, the story. Really the story comes down to, to two parts. First, it's sort of like the courtroom scene where Paul is literally, I mean, his opponents come with a lawyer and he presents, you know, the, what's it called, the prosecution. And then Paul is by himself. He's the defense attorney himself. He's representing himself. And so he does his defense. And so we're going to look at how does Paul handle this public attack of him. And then the second half of the story is Paul in private with the governor and his wife. The governor of the whole region. How does he handle it? So how does Paul, how does Paul identify with Christ in a public setting? And how does he share of Christ in a private setting? And how can that help us as we desire to be people who are faithful even in hard spots? Even when we're in these circumstances that are awkward that we wouldn't pursue, but that God sometimes places us in. Okay, so let's, let's read chapter 24. So just keep your eye open for how Paul interacts, you know, what he's charged with, how he responds um, in the first half, and then how also he interacts with the governor and his wife in the second half. So Acts 24. I'll read the whole chapter through so you can listen, read along, and then we'll talk through it a little more closely. Five days later, so here, here's the setting, sorry, as you guys remember. Paul has come down to Jerusalem. He didn't know what was going to happen. He got almost killed in the temple. A crowd came, started just like trying to kill him. A guard saved him, and then he spoke to the crowd again, and the guard pulled him away again. And then they said, "Let's." Then there was a plot to try to kill him, and the, and the commander in Jerusalem said, "Hey, I'm going to get you out of here." And he sent him up with 277 soldiers to Caesarea, which is on the coast of Israel, down from Jerusalem on the coast. Um, and so he's awaiting there for the governor to hear his case. So now the governor is going to hear his case um, that he's been brought by the Jewish authorities. So here we go. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down from Caesarea, went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. And they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, 
We acknowledge this with profound gratitude. Now, coming out of a political season, you can appreciate this speech. Um, and verse 4, But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you'll be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I'll gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that's in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have that there will be a a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything to say against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it's concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. Then Felix, who is well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. At that time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. (laughs) But two years had passed. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Interesting story. Here you have Paul on a tight spot and a hard spot. And he's faithful to, to identify with Christ and to share the gospel. Doesn't quite turn out like he would hope, right? He's there for two whole years, a guy trying to bribe him. You know, how, how does Paul answer? How, how does Paul... Um, handle this situation this way. So we're going to walk the text and make some observations of how he actually identified with Christ, what sort of allowed and enabled him to do that, and then how he interacted with with Felix and Drusilla uh, about sharing the gospel. So the main point, you know, we share the gospel in hard places and with hard people. God's calling us to do that, and so we're, we're going to look in here and say, you know, God, what lessons can I learn from the example of Paul when he was in a hard place with hard people about he was faithful to you? What, what kind of lessons do you have for us that we can take away so then we face similar circumstances. Maybe it's not before a governor. Maybe it's before friends. 
Maybe it's before co-workers. Maybe it's before family. Um, how, how we can be faithful um, in hard places and with, and with hard people. Okay. Well, the, the first section, you know, as we know, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's you know, a, a courtroom-type setting. The Jews come down with Tertullus, and they bring their charges. Um, and I, I love the intro. It's all sort of flowery and brown-nosing and all that wonderful stuff. Um, and, but, but they make charges, basically. He's a troublemaker, stirring up Jews all over the world. He's a leader of this Nazarene sect, and you know, he's trying to desecrate the temple. If you remember, Paul was in the temple making some offerings, and they thought the people with him were actually Gentiles. They weren't. They were Jews. And so there, were, there was no desecration. But, but so these are all the charges that they're making, and they had tried to kill him. They said, so we seized him. You know, <laughs> He tried to kill him. The commander had to come in the centurion and sort of save Paul out of their midst, or he was going to be ripped to pieces. Uh, so, but, so they bring these charges. And so, so and then all the Jews who are with them agree and join in the accusation. I mean, we're not given everything that takes place, but we, that's sort of the, the summary of this side of it. And so then we have Paul's side. The governor motions for Paul in verse 10. And Paul replies, you know, um, a number of years you've been a judge, I'm going to make my defense. And so he begins to walk through and talk about how in this situation um, he wasn't stirring up a crowd. He wasn't causing all sorts of issues. Um, but what, what I want to, I, I'm going to highlight one thing then I'm going to come back in the passage. If you, 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 did you hear that term he said, I'm, I'm a follower of, of the way? Did you all notice that? And then also Felix said he was well acquainted with the way. That, that's not a term that we often use to describe the faith. But that, that was the first term used to talk about Jewish people who saw Jesus as their Messiah and followed him. So if you go back and look at the story of Paul in Acts chapter 9, when Paul is going to persecute the church, when he was still Saul and was a Pharisee and was trying to destroy the church, it says, you know, chapter 9 says, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that he, he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so what it was is the term the way was the term that was used for Jewish people who saw Jesus as their Messiah and put their faith in him for the forgiveness of sins. So they were still Jews. They still participated in the Jewish traditions but they said Jesus was the fulfillment of all of this. And they called themselves, they were called the participants of the way. So when, so when Paul says, I am a follower of you know, the God of our ancestors and a follower of the way, which they call a sect, it is a direct identification with Christ. Now if you remember in Antioch, they, they were first called Christians there. The Antioch was this church that was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And the term that came for that more general church was Christian. And that is the name that has come and now has been passed down to the centuries for this church which is made up of not simply Jews who practice Jewish rites and follow Christ, but of all people who follow Christ have now become known as Christians. But the first people who follow Christ were called followers of the way. And you'll find that term multiple times in the book of Acts as the way. It's 9, 19, 22, 24. It's about this term, the way. It's like today we might call that Messianic Jews. That's what we today call Jews who practice some Jewish traditions but that follow Christ, we call them Messianic Jews. 
So the equivalent of Messianic Jews is the way. So when so, so Paul, he 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 straight up says in verse ten. So he first denies the charges. He says, "Look, I was not causing a ruckus. I wasn't doing issues. I wasn't leading the crowd. In fact, I was just offering sacrifices, <laughs> you know." And they grabbed me. Um, he goes, "But I admit." that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way which they call a sect. I believe everything that's in accordance with the law and the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men have, that there will be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. And so I strive to keep my conscience clear. So he identifies with Christ. He doesn't doesn't expel out the whole gospel, but he makes it very clear where he stands. Which line is he in? Has he just been misunderstood? Or is he not really? No, he says, I'm a follower of the way. That's who I am. That is true. Is the other things? Not so much. But that is who I am. And so, that, and so that's one of the first things I just want us to, to learn from Paul's example. He identifies with Christ. He identifies with following God in the midst of this craziness. When they're making all these accusations about him, he says, I do follow Christ. Those other things? Not so much. And, and I, I just want... That, that sounds simple. But it's not actually always easy to do. You know, someone, someone can throw out, let's, let's take this political thing as an example. Oh, is this your guy? Because blah, 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 blah. You know, I do follow Christ. You know, I don't, I don't ultimately see the solutions of mankind in one political party or another. But I do follow Christ. You know, or, you know, all these things, you know, some in class, oh, do you really believe that Jesus? Well, yeah, I, I, I do believe, I believe the Bible teaches is Jesus is how we know God. And I'm a follower of Jesus. That's, it's, it's, it's simple. It's short. It's not into everything. But, but you're, you're, you're showing where your allegiance is. And sometimes we're just called to do that. I mean, this, this had a huge impact in my, in my wife's life when she was in, in high school. She came from a faith tradition that, that it, was, it was religious. She did a lot of activity, but there wasn't really this personal relationship with God. And, and, and this guy was speaking at the school on a weekly you know, religious sort of meeting. And he was describing this relationship with God that was very tangible. That it wasn't just you just show up, but you actually had this relationship with God. That you prayed and talked to Him, and He, and he led you through His Word. And He guided you by His Holy Spirit. And she's just like, what in the world are you talking about? And literally, literally, in a meeting, with how many people were in there, huh, do you think? Couple hundred, hundred? Fifty. Fifty. That's accuracy. Fifty people in the room. That's public, right? That's not just private in a corner. That's fifty people in a room with a guy speaking. And she basically, get, get me if I get it wrong, but she basically says, so you're telling me that my tradition and all the people hundreds of years have been doing it the way I do it are wrong and you're right? Is that about right? Yeah. So, so, so this guy's put on a hard spot publicly. And he just sort of paused. He said, yeah. Yeah. And it got her attention. And afterwards, she, she messed up. I need to hear more about this. And that was sort of a journey of her coming to faith and hearing the gospel, understanding that it's something very personal. But because this guy was faithful in a hard spot, he didn't, he didn't go into everything, he didn't have to do everything, but he, he did show where his allegiance lay where, 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 he, where he fell. He fell in salvation by faith in Christ. And he said, yeah, that's, that's, 
That's what I believe. And that's what I see from Paul. Paul, Paul said, hey, I, I, um, I'm a follower of the way. And I, the other thing I love about this passage is that, that you know, God is interesting. When Jesus was his disciples, you had a Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7, to seven, then you have 8 and 9, he's doing this stuff, and then 10, he's sending out his disciples to go, go out and share the gospel. And then he tells them, it's going to be awfully brutal. There are going to be people who oppose you. You're going to be called before officials, all that kind of stuff. And he goes, but I'll give you the things to say. Don't worry about it. And we see here, that's what Paul, that's what God does with Paul. And I love how God also uses Paul's life. Notice what he says here in verse 17. God sets it all up so that the things that God has been leading Paul to do, he can even use in his defense. Verse 17, he goes, After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was in there being ceremonially clean. So think about this. Paul wasn't doing those things to get ready to appear before Felix in court. He had no idea he was going to be called to court. But because God was leading him to love people, to take a collection from the churches throughout all of Turkey, Macedonia, and Greece, and to bring it back for the poor in Jerusalem... Then, when he's calling for the governor, he can say, look, I'm here doing good. I'm meeting needs of the poor. But he didn't do that to get out of the way. He was just following God and doing what was right. And God set it all up, and so he can even use that in his defense. And Paul came back to Jerusalem. The leaders there said, oh man, all these Jews are following Christ, so please go make an offering so that they know you're not off in left field. You're a Jew, make some offerings. And he goes, okay, he submitted and was willing to go make offerings in the temple. And so he did. And once again, God uses that very thing He's making offerings as a ceremonially clean person in the temple. But he can use that in his defense. I was not doing anything wrong. I was being a good Jew. But I was being a good Jew who's a follower of the way. So we see how God lined up the circumstances in his life even for his defense. So I just want to encourage you. As we get in these hard circumstances, as we get in these things, we can relax, we can trust in God. As God has been leading us and as God has been guiding us, he's going to give us the words to say. He's going to allow our lives line up with the situations we're in and he'll help us get through it. The, the next part, I'm going to move on. The next part is when, when he talks to Felix and Drusilla. He's more direct there when he's with, with them in person. Notice in verse um, 22, he says he sent, you know, several days later Felix came and his wife Drusilla who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. That's pretty direct, Right? He talked to him about faith. He was in a personal level. He had a personal conversation. He sat down and talked to him about faith in Christ. And he went further too. Righteous, verse 25, righteousness, self-control, judgment to come. I mean, he, he shared the gospel pretty straightforwardly. So much so that Felix was like uncomfortable. <laughs> Felix goes, that's enough for now. I'm getting a little nervous when you start talking about judgment. You know, and then he's like, I'm just going to try to get a bribe out of this. To let you out of prison, because I'm uncomfortable. But Paul took that step. He shared the gospel about faith in Christ. And he shared that there's consequences too. But these just aren't merely good words. But these are things that there is going to be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. And those who have put their faith in Christ will be considered righteous and spend eternity with Him. And those who have not, will not. So I, I, that's, when I read Paul, I go, man, here he is sharing with a, the governor of the whole region and he's willing to share the gospel and to talk about Christ. Now I, I just want to say, let's put on Felix's hat for a minute. 
What does Felix do? He delays. He sees how he can get something out of it. He goes, maybe I can get a bribe out of this so I can let this guy out of prison. He hears the truth that's right from him, and it sort of stirs him inside, but he's like, uh, no, no thanks. Maybe later. I'll, I'll call him now and then. And may, maybe, maybe you're here today, and, and Felix is the hat that you need to think about. That you've become exposed to the gospel. You've heard it. It makes you a little uncomfortable inside. But maybe you're not ready to take a step to put faith in him. Like, hey, I'll take the child care. I'll take the Sunday mornings off. I'll take the whatever else, but I'm not quite ready to, to take Jesus. And I, I would just encourage you today to take Jesus. To put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because as we put our faith in Christ, we receive the righteousness of Christ. And we have a relationship with Him. And as you and I, as we, who have put our faith in Christ, as we're walking through life and we're going to get hard spots and we're going to get hard people, let's trust God to be working together the circumstances that we can speak, but let's also take that step of faith to speak. You know, for me, the, the most easy thing for me to step into some of these conversations really has been asking people to pray. We were at, the, we were at the, the bank this week and a lady, really helpful, great. We were just finishing up a, a, some documents and a loan thing. And, and, and we just said, hey, is there anything we can be praying for you for? And she just shared the most personal prayer request. We were able just to sit there and pray with her. Um, and she's about in tears. And it sort of just led into a whole other type of relationship through which we can testify to Christ. And, and I don't know what situations God has for you this week. I hope your week goes great. I hope you don't have any hard spots. But I do believe God takes us sometimes in hard situations and hard people to be a witness. And we don't know, maybe we're going to end up in prison for two years. Maybe we're not going to see the outcome. But we don't obey God because of the outcome. We're not transactional with God. He's already given us everything. He's given us salvation. And we're trying to invite as many as we can to experience what we freely received as well. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you just for the example of Paul. I just confess that I, I, I'm... A, I'm I'm a fearful guy. And I'm afraid many times just to take the step and to make the transition and to go through the awkwardness. Or my inner heart is just inclined towards fear. God, I thank you that you're with us and you empower us. And I pray that each person in this room, some of them are going to find hard situations this week. I thank you that you promised to give us the words to say. I pray that we would rely on you and to step forward. That we would be faithful, even in hard spots and with, with difficult, uncomfortable people. But I pray also that, that your word would go forward from our lips as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray.